All right, so let's go ahead. Let's move into this week's guest uh, guest of the week. Steve, this is this is an exciting one for you. Who we got? Dave, I'm extremely excited to introduce this guest. Uh, I think you guys are going to love this one. He's a former Virginia Tech Hokie, a 1998 fourth-round draft pick by the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, played eight seasons in the league for the Bucs and the Texans. As an offensive lineman, I'd like to welcome Todd Washington to the podcast this weekend. Todd, should should I actually add kick returner in there as a, a position that you you played briefly in the league? Well, I had three returns in my career, so uh, it'd be okay for you to put that on there if you want to. So that's that's three more than us. <laughs> <laughs> We're gonna drop that uh, YouTube clip of your uh, your return there, where I, I I don't know who the poor guy is that you you pancaked, but you flattened somebody and. Yeah. And you, you were uh, you were marching. I don't know. Would you you return like 35, 40 yards? No, I wish it was. It was, it was roughly sixteen. Well, sixteen. All right, whatever. Say, hey, you know, 16, 20, yeah. same thing. Uh, that's awesome, uh, Todd. Just to give the the listeners a little background uh, about you, I, I mentioned you played for the Bucks and the Texans, uh, coming from Virginia Tech. Um, but you uh, you won two Super Bowls. Uh, one Super Bowl as a player for the Buccaneers. Uh, back in 02 uh, under Coach Gruden, and then another one as a coach uh, for the Ravens in 2012 under Coach uh, John Harbaugh. Uh, obviously, that's the pinnacle of the league. That's what, uh, you know, as a player and a coach, that's what you guys strive for uh, each and every year. Let the listeners know, give us a sense of just the excitement that it it, it, it was to, to reach that both as a player and a coach. i tell you what, it's Next to Marion Shannon having my kid and her having my kids, it's the greatest feeling in the world. Um, you are the best at what you do in your profession, and no one can take that away from you. And I was very fortunate not to be, to be able to do it not once but twice, and on both sides of the coin, one as a player and as a coach. Um, as a player, I mean, yeah, you were practicing, we're grinding, your body's beat up. Physically, mentally, you got to stay sharp and you got to have a little luck on your side. And um, we are very fortunate that, you know, we Gruden came from the Raiders and we're playing the Raiders in the Super Bowl. So we almost had like a blueprint of what to expect in certain situations. Um, as a coach, um, you know, there's a lot of work that goes into the game plan. You got to have answers for certain situations that may or may not come up. Um, you're watching film, you're still watching every single game that the 49ers play, and you got to find a way to condense, put a game plan together that will give you the best chance to win. And we were doing that very well. And if the lights didn't go out, we probably would have dropped 50 on them. <laughs> and the lights go off, and if you give a team an hour to recover, they're going to find a way to come back and make it interesting, and that's what happened. But, um, you know, we found a way to hold them off. And, you know, just having two championships in, in a in a in a league that in a profession that, you know, I grew up playing is is very humbling and I want more. So um, the excitement is nothing like it. And you just work your tail off to try to get back to that same feeling again. Todd, real, real quick, you mentioned a little bit of the difference as a player and a coach, which which did you feel like more pressure or, or maybe a little more nervous going into the Super Bowl as a player or a coach? As a coach, um, you know, the highs are higher, the lows are lower. Um, as a coach, the amount of time on task, you're roughly 18 to 22 hour days earlier in the week. Um, 
some some coaches don't go home early in the week. You're basically spending time, spending the night in the office. Um, you're missing out on a lot of things with your family, uh, just so you can put together a game plan for three eight three and a half hours on on, on the weekend. So um, this def, the time on task is is great. So the reward you want when you win, that reward is greater. And you know, obviously, if you're on the losing end, it it, it, it sucks. It's it's just something that's going to take a while to to recover from. Luckily for you, you were never on the losing side of, of uh, the ball. No, no, I'm too low right now. So I, I got a I got a decent record with that, and uh, hopefully that'll try, hopefully we can get some more of those, some more wins. Currently, you're an offensive assistant for the New York Jets, and there's a head coaching change yeah. coming to New York. So what does that hold for you? Well, right now I'm still on the contract. I'm still working for the Jets. It's unfortunate, you know, these things happen in our business. There's not a lot of job security. It's a the NFL is a production-based business. You produce by a production meaning wins and championships. And when you don't have those, I mean they're gonna have to make changes. So as of right now, I'm in a holding pattern. Like I said before, I'm still in the contract. Depending on who comes in as a new head coach, I may get retained and I may not get retained. So it just depends on the new organ, the new staff coming in, and what they want, and uh, I know I'll have the chance to meet whoever that new coach will be. And if I, if we're able to mesh on on a lot of ideas and philosophies, there's a good chance I could stay. Yeah, I mean the the big name that I keep hearing is is Robert Salee, the defensive coordinator for San Francisco 49ers. I think it was reported that he was just finished up his second second interview with the team today. I wanted to ask you a question about you know there's seven openings in the NFL. None of them have been filled yet. Do you think that has a lot to do with coaches still coaching in the playoffs and possibly potentially being candidates for these opening jobs? I think, I think part of that is is that is true. I think some of the potential candidates are still playing playing ball right now, so they want to wait. And honestly, the other part is one team is they're waiting for one team to pull the trigger. You know, just like in the NFL draft, you'll see like second, third round maybe a team may draft a DB and next, you know, the next three or four teams are drafted DB, you know, or you draft an offensive lineman, the next two or three teams are drafting offensive lineman. Mm-hmm. So they're all playing this waiting game. Okay. Who's going to be the first one to pull the trigger. And right. once that happens, we'll start to see the dominoes fall quickly. Here's a take I came up with. Uh, you played under the legendary coach, Frank Beamer uh, at, at Virginia tech in your time in college. His son, Shane actually just took over for the Gamecocks down there in South Carolina. I was, uh, Kind of curious if there would be a possibility that we would see you on the sidelines down there at Columbus. Um, and I've known Shane for a while, long time. Um, he was our long snapper when I played at Virginia Tech, and his place was the place to go to hang out after games or whatnot. Um, I stay in touch with him. Um, I don't think I'll be heading to South Carolina right now. I think he already has an offensive lineman, line coach, in, you know, in mind. Yep. But you never say never. I mean, things change, and and you. Things change every year in, in this profession. Um, I've seen coaches get a job and they're out after a year or after two years. Right. So you just never know. Um, I congratulated him when he first got the job. He replied back and we've had some communication back and forth. Um, years ago, Shane was up for the Murray State job and he called me to be his offensive line coach and he didn't get the job. But I mean, we have that connection and we have that rapport with one another. So. You know, you just never know what the future holds. I saw Virginia Tech, and then it kind of just triggered. I'm like, Beamer, Shane just got hired. So I thought it might be might be a destination. 
So the, the Virginia Tech Hokie uh, connection leads me to my next little discussion that brings a, a connection to upstate New York here. We're up in the Albany area. And uh, Andre Davis was a teammate of yours. He's out of Niskayuna High School. I believe he was a freshman, maybe a true freshman, your senior year. Yeah. yeah. He was actually a really highly touted athlete at Niskayuna. And um, I believe as, it, as the story goes, Frank Beamer saw some tape on him and was enamored by his speed and uh, gave him a shot down there at, at uh, Virginia Tech in Blacksburg. I just remember a young kid coming out during practice, during camp, and we we're in a pass under pressure drill, which is, you know, defense can basically bring the house and we have to block it up and make plays. And there was this guy just running past DBs over and over again. He got the ball sometimes, sometimes he didn't, but I'm like, okay. This guy's gonna be special. I was gonna say I don't. He he never really stuck in the league for very long, right? Maybe about three, four years. Yeah, well, I mean, it's very hard to get to the NFL. I mean, you you have talent, you got scouts out there, and their job is to find find great college players. Sometimes being a great college player will not translate to you being a good NFL player, a good professional. Um, Sometimes your you know your body may break down during your college career and your and you don't have the chance or the opportunity to be a hundred percent and show what you can really do in the NFL. So you know there's a lot of things that goes in the, goes into it to get those good opportunities and also it's timing. If you're in the right place at the right time in the right system, you have a chance to excel. Um, if you don't, then you might be be at journeyman going from team to team trying to find that fit. And sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. But um, Andre was a was a good kid, was a good football player. I remember he would be in meetings and he'll just sit there and soak up all the information and knowledge. Didn't say much, but just watching how he his eye his eye contact when he talked to teammates and talked to coaches and how he interacted with, with one another, I knew he was going to be a damn good college player. Yeah, and I thought he was going to have a chance in the pros. And you know, again, like I said before, it's all about timing and the situation that you're in. Well, here's another one. Anthony Weaver out of Saratoga Springs. You were a teammate of his for the Houston Texans. I brought up Anthony a couple times uh, in the podcast previously. We played freshman football together. We played uh, JV basketball, but um, Babe Ruth baseball, I struck him out three times in a Babe Ruth <laughs> baseball game. That's kind of like my claim to fame. You know, right. I struck out a professional athlete. You know, I mean, I'm not going to tell you he didn't hit a home run the next at bat, but you know, whatever. <laughs> hey, so uh, you you played uh, with the Texans uh, with uh, with Anthony Weaver. He is actually currently the defensive coordinator uh, there uh, in Houston right now. And there's another team that's kind of in flux with with who their next head coach uh, might be. Uh, g give us some stories about about Anthony that uh, maybe the listeners would uh, love to hear. Say Big Weave, man, he was he was he was a great teammate to have. Um, you know, we've had our battles in practice, you know, going back and forth. I do remember he was so knock knee when he played. He had to wear these knee braces called unloaders. Basically, what they mean is that they, in a way, they take the pressure off certain points of your knee, yeah. so so your your ligaments won't be under so much stress when you're playing the game. So he had these two big bulky knee braces on playing D-line, which was very weird to see because usually that's for offensive linemen. Offensive linemen, yep. You know, but he used to wear these two big bulky things, and he'd go out there and he'll he'll do his thing. And, you know, it was something that was a part of him. But um, I just loved the way he – I remember him just working his butt off every day. 
kind of gone the same path uh, that that you've gone in the, uh, the the coaching ranks, and we're really looking forward to following you and in, in your coaching career and, and where you're going to be heading next, or or hopefully maybe even staying put uh, in New York because you guys do have a, a solid foundation there. Yeah, I mean we, I mean we do have some good, cool, great core players. You know, guys fought their butts off every game. You know, back to Weave. I remember when he was at Cleveland, I was coaching in Baltimore. We spent time before, before the games talking back and forth about this profession. And I'm just so excited for him and so happy that he had the opportunity to be a defensive coordinator. And those are, I think he's going to catch on somewhere. Hopefully he stays in Houston, but if not, I know he'll, he's going to have a great career. And um, back to our, back to here with the Jets. I mean, we, like I said before, we have some good players, some great core players. The guys work their butts off every day. There, there was no tanking going on with us. And for the people to say, sit there saying that we're losing on purpose, the hell with you. Yeah. You know, that's not what professionals do. You you put that uniform on, you got the NFL shield on your on your uniform, you're out there, you're playing to win. And it's was very frustrating to lose those 13 games in a row. We didn't plan for that to happen. You know, we didn't plan for those things to happen. But right. adjustment to our guys to come out there every day, every week, putting in that work and grinding and find a way to win. And we wind up beating two playoff teams. You know, so that goes to show you that we have we have the people. We just got to find a way to tighten up some things and, you know, and go from there. Todd, does that mean we have, we have to give the uh, Philadelphia Eagles a break as Giants fans? <laughs> well, uh, I don't know about that. <laughs> maybe, maybe. Uh, I, I, that whole little situation with, with the benching and uh, all that, I I try to stay away from those things. Um, rivalries, th- those wounds cut deep. And they don't they don't heal, you know. So what they did to the Giants, best believe when the Giants are in the in the situation, the tables are turned, Lord knows what will happen, you know. But um, you know, it's it's that's the beautiful thing about this game. You know, the rivalries, the competition, um, the side the side stuff about okay, if we win, the Giants come in, get into the playoffs, but mm, I don't want to do that, you know, whatever it is. So it's it's um it's one some of those things that people don't know about the little those little side deals and whatnot, but um, this will make the game great. Todd, you, you spoke a little bit about the culture of the Jets, and Steve-O brought it up as well. If, you know, thinking back to your two Super Bowl teams, what what stands out or comes quickly to mind about the culture of those teams? The biggest difference between the Ravens, the teams that were with the Ravens, and the teams that was with the Buccaneers, and being here with the Jets, um, the Jets were we're we're a very young team, and usually when you're you're very very young, you don't have the veteran leadership that you're looking for. And so when you don't have that, these young guys are experiencing certain situations for the first time. And sometimes those first time situations are the difference between winning and losing. And with those teams in Baltimore, we had Ray Lewis, Ed Reed, um, Flacco. We had uh, Bonte Leach. Um, You know, we just had, you know, CJ Mosley. We had, you know, player after player after player that been in those situations and they're, they're, they're men. They've been battle tested and they never flinched. Um, the guys at Tampa, you know, we had Mike Alstott, Ward Dunn, we had Carl Williams, Dave Moore, um, Warren Sapp, Derek Brooks, John Lynch, Ronnie Barber, Donnie Abraham. I mean, player after player after player. We have pro bowlers at every level on our team. And they were, again, battle tested. They didn't flinch. Situational football, they knew what to do. And those situational things are will boil down to 
a handful of games going your way or not. And once we start getting that type of veteran leadership here, and I'm confident that we will get that, you'll start seeing some improvements and you'll start seeing some good, some better football than we, what we've had shown in the past. So Todd, speaking of the experience, so then put, put that in 2020, what, what two teams are you predicting to, to make a Super Bowl run this year? You know, it's going to be tough. Everybody will say, yeah, Kansas City will be, be the team in the AFC. I honestly think Green Bay has a chance in the NFC, mainly because of the number one seed, and you have to go through land. Home field, huge. I believe that when it's cold. And it's a whole different mindset to go into Lambeau Field when it's sub-zero temperatures to come out with a win. And that is the ultimate home field advantage. I think Kansas City has the weapons to take it all. They definitely have the speed at receiver. Their defense is solid. Um, You know, Green Bay's defense is is good. I don't know if they can hold up uh, to the run as well. Um, if you look at last year's playoff game versus San Fran, that was a blueprint of them running the ball down their throat. So, um, you know, but again, it, it just all depends on what happens on, on game day. If you show up, you have a good chance. Look at Pittsburgh, for example. Pittsburgh had everything going for them, and they didn't show up. First play of the game was a bad snap, you know, and then everything just went downhill from there. So you can have all the talent in the world, you can have the best record in the world. You could be rolling, but when the time comes, when it's lose or go home, you better be ready to go because if not, you will be home very quickly. They, they don't call it NFL, not for long, for nothing. Exactly right. <laughs> exactly right. Well, Todd, we just want to thank you so much for being a part of our podcast this week. We really look forward to following you on your journey as a coach uh, in the league. And uh, we'd definitely uh, love to have you back uh, again soon as a guest to share more great stories and experiences with our listeners. Well, absolutely, man. We got to definitely do this again. This is a lot of fun. A lot of fun. Todd, we we got a saying. We uh, we we say uh, yeah, cover city over here. <laughs> can you give a? Can you give the listeners your best yeah, cover city? Yeah, cover city. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Thanks, Todd. All right, guys. Have a good one, man. Thank you. I appreciate it, man. Best of luck. Uh, Steve, (laughs) that had to be the first time you ever interviewed a guy with two Super Bowl rings. When when do you think this is going to happen again for us at Cover City? Uh, Next week or or a couple of years here? Hopefully when we find out where Todd lands and we get him back on the podcast, Dave, because it was a great interview. I I was I was super excited to, to have it and I'm glad you guys all got to uh, listen in on, on Todd and his experiences. It was great. Huge interview for Cover City.